You're listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Anaheim. To find out more, go to calvaryanaheim.org. And now, here's Pastor James. First Samuel, chapter 2, middle of verse 25. Nevertheless, they did not heed the voice of their father because the Lord desired to kill them. Whoa. Now, there's a heavy scripture. God wanted justice to be done, and he wanted to, the people to see that he is a just God and justice will be done. These guys had hardened their hearts too far. And so their hearts were hardened in the sin that they had committed. They wouldn't listen to their father's exhortation for them not to do this. They rejected God's instruction and the instruction of their father. Proverbs 15:5 says, "A fool despises his father's instruction, but he who receives correction is prudent." is wise. And so we do well to honor our father and mother, to listen to their wisdom, the wisdom of the years. And we do well to continue to encourage our children, our grandchildren to honor their parents. This is something that in our society has really slipped, hasn't it? It slipped a long time ago where discipline has been you know, cast out of the society. <laughs> and it, it's, we're reaping what we sow here, right? When we see rebellion ruling the streets, it's because we've let go of discipline, friends. It lets sin nature take over. I remember, I think it was my dad that asked Pastor Marcel over in Haiti, you know, uh, regarding the orphans, do you spank the kids there? And he said, Yes, we do. If we don't, they will end up in jail. You know, it, it's, it was the love of God that constrained them to discipline. Discipline is important. And God lays it out in his scriptures. My dad was such a great example of how to do that right. Not to beat your children not to get angry and attack them and go, oh, I'm just doing what the Bible says, (laughs) you know? But to chasten them in love, just like our Heavenly Father, it says in Hebrews chapter 12, chastens all his children, disciplines us. And it's painful, the Bible says at the time. So it's supposed to be painful. (laughs) But back to my dad and the way he would do it that was so good is, we would get in trouble and he would never hit us out of anger. And sometimes that was really hard on on me because it would be go to your room, you know? And then a half hour later he comes in and you know what's coming for the whole half hour, you know? But you're kind of (laughs) hoping, well, maybe he won't go through with it. Maybe it'll be one of those mercy days. (laughs) We had days like that. And then uh, he would come in and, and he would you know, talk to us about what we did wrong in very gentle way. And then he would say, well, you know, this is what the Bible says about that, you know, and so you need your discipline. 
So let's do this. <laughs> and then he would administer the spanking, one swat, two swats, three swats, depending on the infraction. And then, <laughs> yeah, and, and pants on or pants down, depending on the infraction. <laughs> but always on the bumper, always on the bumper. And then afterwards, with the tears, came a hug. I love you. Are you still my buddy? <laughs> because <laughs> he was insecure. <laughs> no! <laughs> but whether it was in the moment or later, it was always yes. You know, when I became a, a school principal at the Christian, the, you know, at Calvary Chapel Anaheim, and we uh, implemented, uh, I was going to say capital punishment, but no, that would be <laughs> corporal punishment with consent from parents, consent from parents, and, you know, we still did, you know, uh, suspensions and things like that, and, and for the first, like, seven, eight months, I was like, hey, maybe I'm not going to do this whole swatting thing, you know? I don't even have kids of my own at that time. I've never swatted anyone before. I'm like, yeah, this is kind of, this is kind of iffy to me, right? And so, you know, we did the regular timeouts and things like that for students. But then, then there was one particular student. And he just kept acting up and he was having problems. And, and I'm just like, Lord, Lord. And God began to minister to me. It's time for a SWAT. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and so in conversation with the parents, I brought it up. And I thought, well, maybe they'll say no. And they're like, yeah, do it. <laughs> do it. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just did it the way my dad taught me to do it and loved him and ministered the SWAT, except always pants up, friends, in case you're wondering. <laughs> always. With a witness and everything. And that boy, after that SWAT, oh my goodness, Mr. Bove! Hey, Mr. Bove! And he was all being good. And I'm just like, okay, Lord, I gotcha. I gotcha. And so then, of course, as we had children of our own, they got their swats and things. Um, but other disciplines, I'm not saying that's the only way to discipline friends, you know. But there needs to be discipline. And they need to know that sin has consequences. It has painful consequences. And sometimes we think that just screaming at our children is enough. That that's enough of a consequence. It's not. Eli screamed at his kids. It didn't work. He was in a position as the high priest to do something about this, to say, no, this is wrong, and to get the authorities after and to remove them from their position of corruption, but he would not do it. Now we get back to Samuel by contrast here in verse 26. It said, and the child Samuel grew in stature and in favor both with the Lord and men. I remember a prayer that my parents prayed over me was that, Lord, as James grows physically, may he grow spiritually. And that's, that's the, I think, our prayer for all of our kids and grandkids and such, that as they grow physically, they would grow spiritually. As we, as we attend to their physical needs and feed them so that they'll grow and be nourished, let's nourish them spiritually as well. And then verse 27, it says, then a man of God, a man of God, he's unnamed, we don't know who he is, it's kind of encouraging though, that 
as we read through the Bible, it's not just these Bible heroes that we read about that God was working through and with, but there were unnamed people as well. You find them in the scriptures you're studying like Elijah and Elisha, and then they talk about the school of the prophets. Oh, wow, there was a bunch of them. That's cool, you know? Praise God. And so these were important people, but this man had the courage to come to the high priest and say, I got a message from you from God Almighty. And so we read on, it says, then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, thus says the Lord, did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? The house of his father, this would be Aaron, the, the very first high priest who, would, who was called from Egypt, you remember, Moses' brother, and he became the first high priest in Israel. And so Eli would have been a descendant of Aaron. Verse 28, did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon my altar, to burn incense and to wear an ephod before me? These were priestly duties, offering on the altar, right? The sacrifices for sin and for peace, to burn incense. The incense that they would burn was, was uh, the prayers of the saints going up and to wear an ephod before me, these priestly garments representing the purity of God and God's grace towards the people. And did I not give to the house of your father all the offerings of the children of Israel made by fire? God provided that shoulder and the breast. Verse 29, why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering which I have commanded in my dwelling place? and honor your sons more than me. Boom. There it is. Who's he coming to? Who is God coming to? He's coming to Eli. And he's saying, Eli, I hold you responsible for this because you are allowing this. You should not allow this. You should honor me more than being concerned about your sons. Worry less about offending them and more about offending me. We got to be careful with our relationships, friends. Well, you know, I'm with this guy or I'm with this girl and yeah, we're not married, but they really want me to live with them. And, and if I don't, well, you know, and they might leave me and, and I don't want to hurt them. I don't want to offend them. Maybe I'll compromise and just go ahead and do that. Maybe I'll sleep with them, you know, because I don't want to hurt their feelings. Is there any concern for what God feels? Is there any concern for what God says? Are we going to stop and say, we need wisdom in this matter, and let's find out what God has to say about this? Guys, as Christians, we are to be looking to please the Lord and, and look, reading the Scriptures to discover what is pleasing to God. And we read that it's our faith that pleases him. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. You must first believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Do we care what God thinks? Do we stop and think about what God thinks or what might hurt him or offend him? We need to. The majority of people never do. They do what's right in their own eyes. 
you see. And so God is chastising Eli for honoring his sons more than him. And he goes on in verse 21, to make yourselves fat with the best of all the offerings of Israel, my people. We read specifically later on that Eli was large. He was fat, as the Bible says right here. And you see, this gives us a window into some of the reason why Eli himself allowed this is because he also enjoyed that food. Man, bring me the barbecue, you know? And so he was lenient with his sons because of the relationship with them and because he too could relate to the fleshiness that they were giving themselves over to. Verse 30, therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Now, God had spoken this promise to Aaron, and Aaron uh, will continue, Aaron's line will continue, as we're going to find out later on here, uh, but through a different family, not through Eli's. And so also it says here, for those who honor me, I will honor. This, this is still holds true today, friends. Jesus said, hey, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven and all his holy angels. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father who is in heaven. Those who honor him, he will honor. If you stand up for what's right, there's rewards in heaven. The Bible speaks much of the rewards in heaven and that it is okay for us even to be motivated in our good behavior by the rewards that we will earn in heaven. That's why Jesus said, don't store up your treasure on earth where moth and rust corrupt, but store up your treasure in heaven. How? Good works. You're not going to get to heaven with good works, only by the blood of Jesus Christ. But friends, the good works that you do or that God does through you in your obedience, you're storing up treasure in heaven. And man, it's going to be great to get there and find your treasure trove. And then to just say, God, you deserve, here's the crown. You deserve it, Jesus. <laughs> but it's going to be great. And so let's have heavenly mindedness and faith to believe that the actions that we do here that are God glorifying and pleasing to him will benefit us in eternity forever. Hallelujah. Let's believe what the Bible says and let's pursue that. And, and opposite, let's not live for self and live for the flesh. Let's do that less and less. Amen? And so he gets severely scolded here, and he says, for those who honor me, I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. One of my favorite movies is Chariots of Fire, Eric Little. He was a runner, and uh, in 1924, he went to the Olympics in Paris, and he was expected to be the fastest runner in the 100-meter run. Well, the, the heats were on Sabbath, and for him, that was a no-no. And so he just quietly, calmly said, 
sorry guys, I can't run on Sabbath. And he bowed out of the race. And you can imagine what kind of an uproar that made, but also a witness of, no, I'm going to honor God. And so they put him into the 400-meter race, and one of his opponents handed him a note that was this, this scripture, for those who honor me, I will honor. And Eric Little ran and, won, and got the world record in the 400-meter run at those Olympics. And then he went on to be a missionary in China, and there he died in a Japanese internment camp as the, the Japanese came in. But he, anyway, he served the Lord. Man, his story is incredible. And then he went home to be with Jesus to be honored for honoring the Lord and saying, my life belongs to you, God. I serve you. I stand up for you. I stand up for what's right. Verse 31, behold, the days are coming that I will cut off your arm. Now, <laughs> we're like, whoa, not literally, uh, but the, the arm, you know, the right arm, the arm of your strength, and the arm of your father's house, so that there will not be an old man in your house, and you will see an enemy in my dwelling place despite all the good which God does for Israel, and there shall not be an old man in your house forever. Wow, this is severe. Consider the goodness and the severity of God, it says in Romans. He is good. He's also just, and he's severely so. But we thank Jesus that he sent his son to Jesus to take the wrath that we deserve. Amen? We've got to keep coming back to that. And so uh, here Eli, uh, he's getting punished by God. Notice here, he wouldn't punish his kids God is being a loving father and punishing him. His, his honor of his kids were more important to him than honoring God, and now God is, is punishing his lineage, you see, his priestly lineage. And so in verse 33, it says, But any of your men whom I do not cut off from my altar shall consume your eyes and grieve your heart, and all the descendants of your house shall die in the flower of their age. They're going to die young. In verse 34, now this shall be a sign to you that will come upon your two sons on Hophni and Phinehas. In one day they shall die, both of them. And that is what happens as we continue to read. Verse 35, then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. I will build him a sure house and he shall walk before my anointed forever. And so as we look at the descendants of Eli, we see that Eli had Phinehas and Phinehas had a, a guy named Ahitub. And then a Tytub had a guy named Ahimelech. And Ahimelech was the priest that was killed by order of King Saul. We'll get to that later. Uh, because he gave David aid when David was fleeing for his life. And then Abiathar is next. He escapes Doag. He's the only one who escapes Doag. And he becomes priest under uh, David, and then, and then he sides, though, after David dies and Solomon's, you know, in line to become king, one, Solomon's brother Adonijah is wanting to take the throne. And so this priest sides with Adonijah, 
and he gets removed by Solomon and replaced by a guy named Zadok. Zadok is from a different family line, still a Levite, uh, still a descendant of Aaron, but not in the same family as Eli. And it says in 1 Kings 2, 27, so Solomon removed Abiathar from being priest to the Lord that he might fulfill the word of the Lord which he spoke concerning the house of Eli at Shiloh. So that was 1 Kings chapter 2, 27 is the fulfillment of this prophetic word against Eli and his family. Verse 36 And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left in your house will come and bow down to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread and say, please put me in one of the priestly positions that I may eat a piece of bread. And so no longer are you and your kids and your descendants going to be in a position of taking advantage of the people, serving yourself, eating of the best portions that belong to God but you're going to, they're going to find themselves begging for bread. You see how God gives a punishment that matches the crime, the offense. He is a just God, just. Proverbs 13, 24 says, He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Within a half hour, no. You know, we, we have to, even as the church, be careful of this idea of we don't want to offend people. We need to be concerned about God's will and what God's saying. That's what we need to be concerned about. And people, right, we have to let go of our pride and go, no, it's about Him. It's about God. And we need to have discipline even in the church, in our homes and in the church, there needs to be discipline. We should not have leadership that are out partying and doing bad things and then saying, well, praise God for His grace, and so now I'm going to you know, lead you in worship or preach a message to you. No. God will discipline a church in that situation, and that church will not thrive. And so we need to be circumspect and mindful about that and honest and not go, well, I don't want to hurt someone's feelings. No, I don't want to hurt God's feelings. And I don't want to lead his people astray. Amen? Amen. And so let's hold one another accountable to live for Jesus and to serve him and to have leaders that are doing that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, We thank you for this message. It's sharpening, Lord. These aren't the easiest messages to preach, but they are loving messages because we need to be right with you and before you, and we need to confess and repent of our sins because you are a good God, you're a gentle God, but you're a just God. And so we consider tonight the goodness and the severity of God. And then... We also turn to Jesus Christ tonight and we thank you, Lord, that you have died on the cross for our sins. That even tonight, if we can relate more with Hophni and Phinehas than we can with Samuel, we still have breath in us to confess and to repent.
to receive your blood sacrifice with confidence in faith. I pray tonight that we would all do just that, that we'd be told fully surrendered to you, ready to confess and say, God, I've sinned before you. Forgive me, but thank you that I'm washed in your blood, that you took the punishment I deserve. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Anaheim in Anaheim, California. If you're in the area, we'd love for you to visit. Check out calvaryanaheim.org for location, service times, and more. We'd love to hear from you. To let us know how God has touched your life through this program or to submit a prayer request, simply go to calvaryanaheim.org and scroll down to the Get in Touch form at the bottom of the homepage. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to listen again next time for another edition of Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Anaheim. Hey everybody, this is Pastor James. We want to take advantage of the Christmas season to get the gospel out and see people get closer to Jesus. This is why we are partnering with Village Bible Church in Garden Grove to bring you a living nativity. The gymnasium at Village Bible Church will be transformed into the little town of Bethlehem. Travel back in time. Take a tour as you immerse yourself into the daily activities of Bethlehem and experience the story of Christmas like never before. This free event is Saturday, December 17th and Sunday, December 18th, anytime between 4 and 9 p.m. So mark your calendar, make some plans with your family, and don't miss this impactful Christmas experience. To learn more, go to villagebible.com forward slash living nativity. That's villagebible.com forward slash living nativity.